Welcome to CII Podcasts. It's such a pleasure to have with us, uh, you know, really the man of the moment, I would say, for our country of India. You know, somebody has who has made us so proud of what, you know, it means to be the world's largest manufacturer of vaccines. Uh, something that I don't think the world would have known or appreciated uh, had the pandemic not happened. Uh, but definitely, uh, you know, someone who is now on the Times, uh, you know, 100 list amongst the three Indians listed there. Uh, other very, very warm welcome to begin with, you know, would love to understand, you know, what's the vaccine journey been so far? Uh, what are the lessons learned, you know, since you have achieved so many milestones? And these are all landmark milestones, not something, you know, that we can, uh, you know, kind of do away with. And it's been done in record time. So. Uh, how's the journey been and, and, and share little, uh, you know, thoughts around that to begin with. Uh, thank you, Rajan, for those kind words. You know, the journey began uh, and I think the media and everyone has been tracking the journey over the last 18 months. Uh, you know, when we had to either make a decision to stay put as a manufacturer, wait and see what would happen, what sort of vaccines and solutions would prove themselves and then we could always manufacture something a year later. But that would mean that we wouldn't have probably launched our vaccine till November of this year, by which time, you know, a lot of lives would have been lost. And we, in India at least, would not have reached the milestones that we have of crossing a billion doses. So, you know, uh, finding the right partner, uh, uh, taking on the risk of manufacturing at risk, building the facilities, raising the capital that we needed, uh, which was way beyond what we had put in, which was 250 to 300 million dollars at the beginning in 2020. And then we went on to a billion dollar investment um, because, you know, the scale at which we were operating at. I think the lessons we've all learned is that don't make forward looking predictions because things change so fast with this virus, um, whether it's the way it transmits, whether it is what uh, works on it whether it's drugs or vaccines. Um, I think that's one very key lesson that uh, a lot of CEOs and leaders, even world leaders have probably learned the hard way. Um, I think we're far better prepared, you know, our health systems, hospitals, whether it's oxygen supply, vaccines, everything. The world is now better prepared for the third, fourth waves because we've learned what to do and what not to do. So we're in a far better position today and I don't think there should be panic with Omicron and other variants coming about where today already you're going to see, uh, you know, the sentiment change a little bit, but I don't think we should uh, panic just as yet. We should, we should wait and watch how things uh, unfold. Yeah, you know, but you're, you know, it's always said, right? No one is safe till everyone is safe. <laughs> so this whole vaccine hesitancy, you know, uh, that we see around the world has been a genuine you know issue and i'm sure you're dealing with it you know uh, you know in, in various ways uh, so really you know how do you look at that you know in the future and 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 again how do we prepare for what are some of the things that you said like what can people countries organizations multi-stakeholders really do uh, to be better prepared no i think uh, better awareness um i mean the government of india and other governments also uh, doing a great job on that going door to door you've seen the campaigns trying to convince and inform people on what and citizens on what 
uh, you know, um, uh, are the pros and cons of having a vaccine or rather not uh, being jabbed. I think corporates can also play their role in, in spreading that awareness. I think till you reach around 70 to 80 percent uh, coverage in a country, um, you're okay. But after that, you see the vaccine hesitancy really coming in the way. It really is very important to stress that unless you've got either exposure to the disease or a very high level of vaccine coverage, we're really not going to be able to prevent the transmiss transmissibility of this virus. And you're going to keep seeing third and fourth and fifth waves coming about. And that's why it's very important to cover a large population or rather you know, large parts of the populations in different regions um, uh, with a high vaccine coverage. And for the second reason, of course, which now is very evident, that you saw Omicron come about because part of the reason was that we weren't able to cover and we allowed, you know, the virus to keep multiplying and that's when it mutates. So that's what we want to stop. So we don't have this every year or every two years coming yeah, I know, but but that doesn't the world and all the vaccine manufacturers globally need to kind of work towards it, you know, again, you know, there's an affordability issue, we have 7 billion people on the planet, how how do we get, you know, a greater traction on, on, on alignment around this, right, with countries, with organizations, as I said, with multi-stakeholders, anywhere, because you probably interacted with so many different, uh, you know, presidents and governments and, and companies and NGOs and all of them, right? So you see something emerging here that could be massive globally? So, you know, uh, what I've been trying to emphasize to all these organizations, whether it's UN, WTO, WHO, and other uh, policymakers and world leaders, that we need, if we want to be better prepared, because everyone talks about the lessons learned and the, the pandemic preparedness. You know, I think two or three points on that. Firstly, being able to identify and isolate the new variants of concern and then checking at a rapid pace how effective the current drugs and vaccines work against it so that you can act accordingly is something which we can do better on. We should be able to ascertain that in a matter of a month or less uh, compared to the uh, you know time it's, it's taking right now. Secondly, global harmonization of regulatory uh, uh, procedures for new vaccines, for uh, vaccine certificates, you know, I think all the countries need to come together and perhaps I'm being naive if that can ever happen, that uh, they need to sign a document to say that if a vaccine certificate or vaccines, now of course that issue is being solved, but you remember the chaos it was causing just a few months ago because of travel restrictions and other uh, situations because the reciprocity of accepting each other's vaccine certificates or even vaccines for that matter was an issue. So all these things, including one set of rules for clinical trials and manufacturing of vaccines should be made so that in a pandemic only I'm talking about, you don't have a situation where the US regulator or the European regulator or a regulator in some other country, you know, has different a different set of questions preventing the vaccines from being registered and rolled out because this is exa exactly what causes um, vaccine inequality, inequity and delays, um, you know, the target of getting everyone vaccinated. So these are the sort of things countries really need to come together and, you know, at the G20, UN, WTO, this is where they have to discuss and come to some uh, common ground.
you know the omicron uh, is is a reality and really you know i think it is definitely a matter of great concern you know around the world and we are seeing that you know so so what, what are your thoughts on on omicron where it is how will it play out you know and and really what can we do uh, again you know more collectively and and how are the vaccine manufacturers also you know kind of addressing this be great to get your thoughts so a uh, lot of vaccine manufacturers including uh, our partnership with oxford the oxford scientists are working on a new variant vaccine a, a booster shot that would be specifically perhaps um uh, more effective against omicron but in the meanwhile there's no reason to believe that uh, having a booster shot will not give you adequate level of protection so i think we can wait and you know look at the data coming about in a month or two where we will know exactly how effective the current vaccines are against omicron one thing is certain that omicron is definitely uh, more infectious and will spread um very quickly across the globe uh, but how severe it is going to be and how many hospitalizations it's going to cause um is something that we're going to wait and watch uh, the initial reports uh show that it's it's quite mild um however we shouldn't take it lightly i think um we need to you know maintain our masks and social distancing um and you know we'll have to wait for the experts to decide on what other restrictions they may or may not put but you know uh, i think in a month we would get a lot more clarity on that and we'll also get a lot of clarity on how effective the existing licensed vaccines but one thing is certain that boosting is a proven strategy which will definitely get your antibodies up and um uh, you know give you some protection it's never going to be zero but you know other you've been doing manufacturing of vaccines now for five decades right and 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 you know some of your stories are known some are not known right in the sense that you know so many children and millions of children have had vaccines that have saved lives you know tell us a little bit about you know what has it taken in the in the in the few decades prior to you know the world knowing what you have to be able to to stand up uh, you know uh, as such a strong force and power to the world uh, today what 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 did it take over the last 4 5 decades just some little quick glimpse into that no so when my father started the company founded the company in the 60s he always wanted to do something for the masses and he realized very soon that you know we were dependent on imports imported vaccines drugs etc and uh, this was a niche area which was not being addressed because you know the margins were so low even today they're very low it's a volumes business um uh, a lot of people a uh, lot of countries and regions didn't really go into it and as a result um the african continent indian continent subcontinent and other Uh, parts in Latin America, South America were largely dependent on big pharma to supply these vaccines and drugs, and uh, you know um, most of the time it was unaffordable, preventing access, and that's where we saw the opportunity to bridge that gap, uh, provide vaccines at a very very low and affordable price, uh, build on quality. Uh, you know, um, in the 90s when we got WHO accreditation, that meant that it was a stamp of quality. for our vaccines that could be globally recognized and that's when the export slowly started picking up and you know 20 years ago when i joined the business in 2001 i wanted serum to be a global company i wanted our vaccines to reach you know all the island countries and 
um, all parts of the world and today we are in 170 countries uh, uh, and you know it's a testament to our quality pricing and distribution that we've been able to um, you know reach that uh, uh, saving in the process uh, something like more than 25 million lives which is data that is now published over the years because these diseases you know for measles hepatitis so many others tetanus a pentavalent uh, 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 vaccine that has contributed in preventing those diseases has saved those lives over these years and we continue to doing that you know uh, and our work in africa is is now you know even more relevant we're, we're coming out with even new vaccines which we've launched rotavirus for pneumonia in children which is a major uh, you know killer in children under the age of five and in two years we'll be launching a malaria vaccine which of course has uh, all the um, uh, merits in, in bringing down the, the disease burden in that area so you know uh, these are the things that we've been working on and we continue to work on and I can't wait to get back to that you know post-covid because there's so many projects that were kept on hold uh, because we had to commandeer all these facilities to make Covishield and Covovax and, and these vaccines. Oh, but those numbers are startling. If you're saying 25 million lives have been saved, I mean, we are really talking a percentage of global population, right? I was just trying to compute. Over it's like five point, decades, over five But decades. over 0.3% of what constitutes life on Earth in the human uh, life is, is, is something that if you've been able to save, I, I, I don't think there's anything, you know, uh, any corporation or a corporate can really, you know, talk about those kind of numbers and do it preventively, right? I think, you know, and 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 that is, 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 is worth a Nobel Peace Prize in my opinion. But anyway, we'll leave that for a separate discussion. But but the idea that, the you know, this is a strength that we've created, right, out of India, sitting right in India, you're in Pune and, you know, from that city you've been able to you know create so much you know as cii you know as an industry body that is really looking at the future of the of industry coming from india you know seeing how indian industry can really position itself at very high echelons in the global uh, leadership on, on on the economy and many of our companies and and you know others are there you know especially when it comes to venue vaccine manufacturing right i mean how can CII industry bodies, what, what can we do, you know, together? Because I think this is a multi-stakeholder kind of an engagement, you know, that is required, right? To be able to do what is best, you know, for the global population, people of India, and keeping that intent. What do you see bodies like CII industry bodies can do? If you look at the way the government of India and the industry worked so well in the last 15 months, to get all these vaccines licensed, reviewed. I mean, there were no shortcuts taken, but it's a testament to show that if there's a will, you can look what you can do. Traditionally, it was taking us five years to license a, a vaccine and thereby the employment and projects and um, income and tax generation that would come out of it. Imagine from five years, you can do it in 15 months. So, you know, that's the framework which we have also proposed and we can work further with CII and the government to see that we keep that momentum going. So that's where I think uh, there's scope uh, for a lot of work. Yeah, you know, CII has championed uh, a very strong agenda, you know, called India at 75, which, you know, I've had the privilege of chairing. And this started when India was, you know, in India at uh, 60. And, you know, of course, in an interaction with Prime Minister Modi, 
when he was the then chief minister of Gujarat, he did mention that you know when he is in Delhi, he's going to make the goals of 2022 real. And and I must say that what you rightly mentioned, you know, we are entering our 75th uh, you know year of independence. Actually, we have. And while as a country, you know, we have achieved so much, right? And and you're absolutely right. You know, be it the scale of production, the ability that particularly when we talk of vaccine and healthcare. But you know, as we, I think what you have said now is a forward-looking vision. You know, for India at 80 and India at 85, leading up to India at 100, where India becomes, you know, the the IP owner, the creator of. Of of large scale products, not only in in vaccine and healthcare, but you know across so many other aspects of the world. And I think that's the shift, you know, that 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 we will, you know, definitely, you know, be uh, open to see. What is the kind of uh, uh, again preparedness or the stocks uh, in terms of vaccines that are available in the world today? Is there really a shortage or is there a gap between what is produced and lying ready and manufactured versus what is needed? No, so the good news is the supply has. Well, it's it's good news, but it's with a rider. The good news is that the supply globally, including in India, uh, the supply has, you know, outmatched the demand or the absorbability of a country or nations to be able to vaccinate. So, for example, all over the world now there is enough supply, but it's just getting those jabs in arms, which will take some time. Um, it, So when I say there's a rider, uh, for example, certain countries are only vaccinated to the tune of 10 or 15 percent in terms of their population, so they really need to go up to 60, 70 percent. So the demand is very much there, but it's going to be spread out because now the supply has outstretched and superseded the the monthly demand. Initially, if you go back just a few months ago, uh, the monthly consumption of countries. Was more than what manufacturers could supply. So the good news on the supply front is there, but it's with a rider that until we get a lot of these countries beyond the 70-80% coverage mark, we will still, you know, um, have issues in 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 these waves and outbreaks and breakthrough infections, and you know we're not over the the target and the hurdles till we reach that. No, I think I think makes complete sense because. Uh, it is all of that kind of you know coming coming together, and I think the related uh, question is you know can you give a little insight on on the global research that is that is happening you know uh, around uh, particularly vaccine manufacturing, and is that uh, something that is going to uh, be have you know deeper investments etc. coming in, and and how is collaboration on research happening? Is there any collaboration on research? Happening? So now, academia, industry, and governments, uh, you know, have shown that in this pandemic, we have really been able to come together and work together. You know, uh, but the main point here is yes, there's always been good global research. If you remember at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, there were some hundred uh, institutions and companies that had announced that they're going to make vaccines from plant-based vaccines, viral vector vaccines, messenger RNA vaccines. Killed virus vaccines, so inactivated virus vaccines. Point is, the research has always been there, but collaborating with the right partner to take that product through clinics and then to manufacture it, to distribute it. I think that's always um, an equal, or even if not, dare I say, a bigger challenge than the innovation that takes place in the world. You know, let's take for example, tomorrow you get a green tech 
technology for solar panels or hydrogen or whatever. But then to commercialize that, make it into a product that can be used and distributed and you know connected to the grid or do anything, you know, it's 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 far more complex. It's not just the research, it's getting that research tied up with the right partner, which is key. And we saw a lot of that in the pandemic. I hope that momentum continues. But uh, yeah, maybe some at some point, some uh, someone has to think about how to bring, you know, all this on, on a common platform, allowing this exchange to happen um, uh, where, you know, manufacturers can partner with innovators and vice versa to take it to the logical end, so to speak. Now, you know, while you say and you talk about the collaboration and, you know, I'm just thinking we we find that there is so much unity at the same time, you know, supply chains are getting disrupted globally. There's so much technology disruption that is happening. The impact of the pandemic on geopolitics is, you know, again, you know, shaping a completely new different world, right? So there are so many factors, you know, at play today and, and, and so many different changes happening. You know, but but do you see these kind of geopolitical, geoeconomic shifts, right? Like the shift to 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 kind of Asia, you know, the the way the West is looking at it, supply chains moving away from China, you know, to to other alternate sources. All of these things are getting, of course, accelerated again due to the pandemic. Uh, does it give you hope? Uh, does it, uh, you know, are you more optimistic on on where the world is headed uh, from here on? Absolutely. You know, uh, the raw material supply chain, for example, was a major issue a couple of months ago. You know, as a result of all this, uh, where, you know, you were dependent on vaccine manufacturers, raw material manufacturers, certain other things. As a result, there's been a tremendous boost and acceleration in, in investment and development of, you know, various different supply chains. Uh, for us, for example, we ourselves acquired a stake in a glass and vial manufacturing um, company in India. We we have invested in you know other raw material suppliers so that we're not dependent just on a few. Um, there were a lot of people and companies dependent on China, so that's also changing. Um, you know they have their own setups, and we've developed uh, put in extraordinary efforts to develop alternative supply chains. So, so you know all that is now changing and becoming decentralized rather than just being focused in certain areas. So, you know, in the grander scheme of things, that's a very positive note and direction that we're going. Yeah, and I think for a country like India, it really gives us- Opens up a lot, of more, lot of opportunities. Yeah, and you know, a lot of interest also, right? You also must be seeing a lot of, you know, foreign investment uh, kind of interest in India. You know, there's the PLI scheme. There's so much to position India, you know, coming out of the pandemic. You know, as a as a major power, uh, you know, moving moving forward forward in, in in the world. I think the Atmanirbhar Bharat story of you know growing you know a large number of the SMEs on the back of some of the larger companies are all strong themes. You know that I think industry, government are all partnering. I would use that word uh, together uh, to to position India rightfully. Uh, you know, in 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 the future uh, where we really need to be. It has been a painful time, right, around the world, especially when we saw the wave especially also in india you know and 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 somewhere uh, you know this that that overhang of of what has happened is still there right so so is omicron you know uh, really going to be something that is going to uh, cause a lot of concern uh, again you know 
will there be a role for for people uh, to play you know like you said mask up and you know social distancing is there more that people can do uh, is this something that you know uh, we need to kind of you know accelerate a preparedness effort because you mentioned somewhere that you know in a month or so we will see uh, you know the rise of omicron around the world so just some more thoughts around that yeah so i mean there may be a rise in cases which is almost a certainty but how severe it will cause disruptions based on the disease and hospitalizations is something nobody is in a position to predict as of yet and how so, much will the rise be other if we were to look at it I in mean, a you know uh, you know it may overtake you know the way in which delta has spread so you know in the same way um you know we've been seeing the cases of course india is at a um in a very good position we've got only 8 to 10000 daily new cases um of which i think most of them would be the the delta variant but the point here is that i don't want to make any predictions just as yet because we've seen that in the pandemic is one of the major lessons i started by saying that nobody should make any predictions till we have enough data can i say for certain that it won't disrupt and we won't have to have certain lockdowns no i certainly hope not um at the moment there's no evidence to believe that um it's just that all the health authorities and experts are cautioning us that please do take precautions we as human beings and citizens can mask up a little bit more take more pre- precautions to reduce the spread certainly which is in the interest of everybody you know you don't want the cases to again skyrocket having said that you know the government of india has made enough provisions for oxygen and hospital beds and all of that so god forbid we have you know uh, a surge we're completely you know we were sort of far better prepared than we were when we were just caught off guard and last year no one could have predicted let me say the kind of surge we had uh, and the wave we had so you know we've learned a lot from that and um, as i said let's just wait another month and maybe you can ask me that and we can share something with everyone by then because we'll know which direction we're going in yeah i know this is a fast changing day to day kind of thing and and we've seen that what you rightly said over the past 18 20 months every time we felt that we are over one you know there has been a, a new challenge and i think somewhere it has built resilience also in in people in organizations you know this whole adaptation to 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 remote working and being able to still be efficient and productive you know while while these changes are happening so definitely one big change that has happened you know out of the pandemic and and this entire uh, uh, you know journey that we the world has been on uh, you know for this 18 19 months is 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 the understanding and appreciation of of perseverance uh, so many shifts have happened be it in 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 the way people interact with families you know the the resilience of of people for the future uh, to be able to take on some of these challenges i think one thing that has really emerged uh, very very strongly for us as a country is that we've had the biggest vaccination drive in the world you know if you remember cii worked with you and the other manufacturers also you know to position industry and and the government you know the multi stakeholder participation uh, for a country like india and to equitably be able to you know take that distribution uh, to pretty much every household in in the most rural part of the country has has enabled us you know to overcome a crisis of such a different magnitude 
thank you so much adar for you know being so candid and for sharing your insights on such an important uh, topic at such a timely uh, you know position uh, for for us thank you it's been a pleasure talking to you thank you everybody thank you for listening to cii podcasts 